Hello and welcome to New York Public Health Now. This is where we talk about the why so you can decide what to do. Again, it's Dr. Jim McDonald coming to you from the 14th floor at Corning Tower here in downtown Albany, overlooking Empire State Plaza. And again, our streak of recording these on sunny days continues, which I find fascinating. This is our third episode of season number two. And our guest today is Dr. Cord Stone, the director for the Office of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion here at the New York State Department of Health. But before we welcome you, Dr. Stone, I'd like to introduce my co-host, Joanne Morn, the Executive Deputy Commissioner here at the New York State Department of Health and formerly our first director of our new Office of Health, Equity, and Human Rights. Joanne, how are you today? I am great. Thank you so much. Always a pleasure to join you and glad to be here with Dr. Stone talking about Black History Month and how it relates to the goals of the Department of Health and, and also how we address the social determinants of health. Yeah, it's great to have Dr. Stone here. And, you know, I I say this a lot. Our mission at the New York State Department of Health is to eliminate health disparities. And, you know, health disparities are linked to structural racism, systemic racism. They began under the immoral institution of slavery in our country. And the imprint of redlining, limited educational economic opportunity, and exposure to environmental hazards has left a mark across a broad spectrum of health indicators from maternal health and respiratory illnesses to diabetes, heart disease, and substance abuse disorder. We're going to talk more about this topic today, and it's great to have Dr. Cord Stone with us. Dr. Stone, before you were appointed the director of the Office of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion here at the department, you are our deputy director of the Office of Sexual Health and Epidemiology within our own AIDS Institute. And Dr. Stone earned his doctorate in executive leadership. I want to talk more about that. And has worked in public health for over 15 years. Joanne, I'm excited to have Dr. Stone on our team. Oh, I'm absolutely excited. Dr. Stone is an absolute asset to the department and certainly in in, uh, his current position. So, you know, Dr. Stone, or or as I often hear you introduce yourself humbly, Cord, (laughs) you've had an exciting career in public health. You've served on the forefront of many epidemics from HIV as well as mass incarceration. You've also done work related to mental health disorders and the impact of COVID-19, particularly as it relates to the impact on communities of color. So welcome to you and thank you for joining us today. Thank you for the invitation. So, Cord, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do here at the department? Yeah, sure. So, I, like you said, I am the director for the Office of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion, um, and I was most recently designated as the Chief Diversity Officer for the department. And this means that I'm responsible and accountable for ensuring that the department has a diversity, equity, inclusion plan, um, meeting all of our diversity, equity, inclusion deliverables that's given by our governor, but also ensuring that we support entities with establishing diversity, equity, inclusion goals specific to their centers. I'm also charged with advising and collaborating closely with the le- executive leadership team and the commissioners on strategic direction specific to diversity, equity, inclusion. In the beginning, uh, Dr. McDonald indicated that you have a doctorate in executive leadership. What is that? Talk, talk to us about what that is. Right. Like, why get a, a degree in leadership? <laughs> um, <laughs> there are several different requirements um, in achieving this degree. It was rigorous coursework and field work. But um, one of the reasons why I wanted to do it is to, you know, just just expand my horizons when it comes to being at executive levels um, of organizations and organizational change. So some of that work includes public and human relations, leadership and cultural change, applied on um, research. Um leadership in uh, human resource development and policy laws and ethics, that, um, just to name a few. Yeah, Corey, that's great. And I think, you know, it is great to have your expertise in the department. It's not lost me. February is Black History Month, which is something that, you know, at the department we're celebrating and honoring and reflecting upon. And it just makes me think, I want to start with a concept, though, that 
I think it's really important. We're just talking about implicit bias. Everybody has implicit bias. I have implicit bias. I'm just trying to learn about it and trying to grow as a human being. I'm just trying to become more kind of just different as I think through life to understand my own implicit bias, how it affects my decisions. But what is implicit bias? Yeah. Thank you for the, the question. And for you to say that everyone has bias, if you didn't think you had a bias, that will be a bias. Isn't that a good point, though? <laughs> right, right. If you don't admit to having a bias, that's a bias. Really good way to put it. Yeah. Please keep yeah, going. So, yeah. so just the definition of implicit bias is attitude, stereotypes, opinions, or judgment that's being made towards an individual or group of people that people may not be aware of. Um, so this could come from childhood experiences, growing up, or just in general, um, general norms ac- across cultures. You know, so that leads me to ask a little bit about, we hear the term systemic racism, and I, I don't know that people always understand what the term systemic racism means, but I wonder if you could just chat a little bit about what is systemic racism? So systemic racism, also known as structural or institutional racism, those are the different policies, procedures, or practices that exist in our society or within organizations that makes an unfair advantage for certain groups of people based on race or their cultural backgrounds. On, a, uh, I guess, a national or, or macro level would be something like redlining. Redlining, right. What is redlining? Because I don't think people know what that is. Yeah, so redlining was an, an approach or strategy where it limited opportunities for certain groups of people to get loans and mortgages for homes. Um, sometimes this is even used today, um, but that's just the overall concept. In organizations, it could be something as simple as bias and interview um, resumes or interview panels. Yeah, it's interesting. When I think of redlining, I think of Levittown, you know, which is like literally what happened is bankers put red lines along maps saying we aren't going to lend money to people of color in these communities. And it's interesting, like when you think about how people accumulate wealth generational wealth in particular, a lot of it comes from your home. And if you're passing on wealth to your family, if you had no home to pass on, you you don't pass as much money on. But it really, if you think about home ownership, there's a lot that comes from home ownership. But if you're told you can't even borrow money for a home just because of the color of your skin, that's an obvious bias. It's obviously systemic racism and it has generational impact. Absolutely. Yeah. So interesting to, to, to talk about the history of redlining and recognize that the very ground that we're on has, and this neighborhood has been impacted by redlining as well. There's a long history here in the Albany area. So, you know, uh, Cord, there are many things that you're doing within the department and, and one of the huge leadership roles that, that you hold is leading the Office of Diversity, Equity and Inclusion. Can you talk about the office? Yeah, of course. So it was established in February of last year. I wasn't there during that time, but I was hired in June of last year to take on the responsibility of leading the office. And I think that there's three key reasons why this office was established. Um, One is to ensure cultural inclusivity uh, within our workforce and ensuring that, you know, we meet the needs of our staff through staff engagement, retention, satisfaction and, and organizational culture, but also to help build capacity towards our DEI efforts to help staff to build and influence health equity within the work in the communities. Yeah, so I mentioned before, this is Black History Month. What, what is the significance of Black History Month just to you, and how does it relate to your work in the Office of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion here at the department? For me, Black History is paying homage to people of Black backgrounds who help to pave the way for others um, from Black um, cultures and for other um, cultures as well. And it's 
it's personal for me because I am a black person, um, but also it helped to pave the way for opportunities that I have right now um, with leading this office and also being at the table. And you're at a lot of tables here, <laughs> which we really appreciate you being at a lot of our tables here. So what does the Office of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion do to promote diversity, equity, and inclusion at Department of Health? Can you just give us a few examples of how we actually operationalize that here at the New York State Department of Health? Yeah, I think I think just the, just quite simple, just normalizing conversations about diversity, equity, and inclusion, being able to talk about sensitive conversations, that's one, but also being able to help guide the office, create plans to, to where we make impact across the board. So as we've talked about previously, you have a significant public health history, and especially as it relates to leadership. How has that experience influenced your role today? As you all have mentioned earlier, I have a lot of health equity um, experience through my direct service work, and that that led to other consultant opportunities to where I was able to provide diversity, equity, and inclusion consultation to government, nonprofit, and healthcare organizations. So we started out talking about implicit bias, right? Which for many people means if we're going to have intentional dialogue here within the department, we have to create those spaces. What types of trainings have been conducted or are anticipated. Yeah, of course. So we have our implicit bias trainings with our partners from Advanced Health Equity, which is an external um, consultant who's working with us. And I encourage everyone to participate in that. We are at the final stages um, of ending that project, um, but we've had we've heard a lot of good things about this training. In addition to that, there's focus groups that's related. So our goal is to assess and make people aware of health equity, and then also how we can make informed decisions about how we can improve across the board. We're talking to Dr. Cord Stone from the Office of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion here at the New York State Department of Health. And, you know, Dr. Stone, we use words like diversity, we use words like equity, and we use words like inclusion, but I'm not sure everybody has a real understanding of what those words mean. And I'm just wondering, can you just give us a simple understanding of what is diversity? I could I could break it down in a few words. So diversity is acknowledging differences. So everyone is different um, in their own unique way. Equity is providing access to opportunities. So Internally, that means providing access to job opportunities, promotional um, opportunities, recognition in those aspects. And then inclusion means making sure that all of those individuals are valued for who they are and bring them to the table to help with decision making and inform decisions across the board. You know, and I think the way you'd explain that was really, really valuable. You know, when you talk about diversity, everybody's different. Nothing really threatening there, by the way. Everybody's really different. We talk about equity, everybody having opportunity. Again, nothing really threatening there. And we talk about inclusion, everybody having an opportunity to be part of this, right? You know, as a leader of an organization, this is really important to me because how many great ideas don't happen in large organizations because you didn't listen to people? Right. And everybody comes with a different point of view, and I really need those different points of view. When I'm leading the New York State Department of Health, trying to protect the health and wellness of 20 million people, I want everyone's point of view because, quite frankly, most people in New York aren't 60-year-old white heterosexual men like I am. I need to know how everything we do impacts everybody. So I think these words are really, really important, uh, very vital. And I, and I think what you said is is key because, like you said, it's not threatening, but we don't want to forget anyone. We just want to make opportunities for others who haven't had that opportunity. Right. And, and, you know, I think it's one of the things where I, I embrace people's differences. I learn from everybody every day. Uh, public health is public, and it's hard to learn from the public if you're not 
able to understand that they're different and, and all need opportunity right. and all to be included. You know, it, it's really clear to me that the ability to advance diversity, equity, and inclusion has to be about being intentional, right? Uh, a lot of times when we think about, you know, the, the use of these terms and, and other terms that we hear throughout public health and, and healthcare work, um, the words don't necessarily translate to the action. So public health and practice, if you will. So. With all of the work, the training, the prioritization, the intention that's happening within the Department of Health, how do you see and how do you anticipate that's going to impact our communities and our partners across the state? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's a very important question. I, I think one of, one of the key things is what Dr. McDonald said is being intentional and being inclusive across the board. And I think one small step is is making sure diversity, equity, inclusion, and health equity is embedded across the board throughout every level of the organization, but also being intentional about the messaging and reflecting that in the community so people can know what we do to be able to promote health equity in general um, in the services that we do. You know, this is Black History Month, and I want to go back to a quote I was thinking about from Dr. Martin Luther King. You know, one of the things that he said once was, of all forms of discrimination and inequalities, injustice in health is the most shocking and inhuman. It, it is shocking and inhuman, right? And again, justice in health, I, you know, I think about as a doctor, I've been a pediatrician for, gosh, almost 34 years, never looked at a child who was sick differently based on the color of their skin or any other attribute about a child because, you know, you want to help kids get better, period, the end, and prevent problems for them. And really, when I think about healthcare in particular, we all need healthcare. There's a real deep part of my soul that just hurts when I think about people suffering from health disparity because of their race. And I guess I'm just thinking, like, you know, as you listen to Dr. Martin Luther King's quote, do you have any thoughts about that that you'd just share with us? Yeah, I think what you were just talking about reminded me of trauma-informed care. That opportunity where where folks could get access to health care, they still have to go home into their communities and, and live their lives and experience different things that may be different from others. So, you know, I think embedding trauma-informed care into what we do is essential to health equity and diversity, equity, and inclusion, because this work is personal and professional, and we have to, we have to take it into consideration both. I, I can't agree with you more. Trauma-informed care is so significant, um, and I've been really proud of the fact that the department has prioritized this in many ways, both with pilot projects within healthcare settings um, and, and with community-based organizations, with the true intention of making sure that as an individual enters a healthcare facility for service, that from the point of entry to the point of exit, people are educated and aware of trauma and, and really utilizing the trauma-informed care principles in order to may allow people to feel safe. So thank you for raising that and bringing that up. I guess my question to you is, is there anything that we, we haven't brought up about the experience that you bring, the office that is you know growing and continuing to impact? You have certainly had voice and ability with not only within the department, but with other state agencies. How has that interagency relationship grown and prioritized diversity, equity, and inclusion? Yeah, of course. And I, I think that interagency working and collaboration are, are key to the success of our efforts to build a more equitable workforce across the state and across the board. Working with other entities has made opportunities for collaborative learning and thinking and also um, combining efforts to be able to inform the governor on her overall decision to make New York State a better place. 
We've been talking to Dr. Cord Stone today. And Cord, thank you for joining us today. It's been great to have you. Of course, it's always a pleasure. We start every episode and end every episode the same. We talk about the why so folks can decide what to do. But today, we've talked about really the concepts of diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I like the way you put it, diversity, just kind of recognizing, hey, folks are different. Equity, everybody needs equal opportunities and inclusion. By the way, you really need everyone to get everything to work. These aren't threatening terms. These are actually things that make us a better people if we understand them. You know, I was thinking about one of the best books I read last year was The Sum of Us by Dr. Heather McGee. He just really talked about how when we don't embrace these concepts, it really hurts all of us. So if you want to read Heather McGee's book, The Sum of Us, that's a good read for me. Uh, But one of the concepts I want to close with is if we're going to eliminate health disparities and if we're going to make meaningful differences in diversity, equity, and inclusion, it's got to be intentional work that leads to actual action, which is what we do at the New York State Department of Health every day. So that's going to do it for today uh, of the New York Public Health Now podcast. As always, if there's a topic of interest you would like to hear us talk about, please let us know by email at publichealthnowpodcast at health.ny.gov. Keep an eye out for the latest New York Public Health Now episode on your favorite podcast player like Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Spotify, YouTube Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. To find us, search by our podcast title, New York Public Health Now, or by keyword NYSDOH. Then tap subscribe or the follow button to be notified when we release a new episode, which comes out about every other week. For New York Public Health Now, I'm Dr. Jim McDonald. I'm Joanne Moore. And I'm Dr. Cord Snow. And thank you for listening. New York Public Health Now is a production of New York State Department of Health's Public Affairs Group. Michael Wren is the executive producer and engineer, with additional production support provided by Sarah Snyder, Janine Babakian, Barbara Stubblebein, Alicia Biggs, Monica Pomeroy, and Kyle Koteri. Copyright 2024, all rights reserved. We welcome your feedback. Please email us at publichealthnowpodcast at health.ny.gov.